Hi there, I am Jana Rose, host of the Rose Compass podcast and videocast. And once again, I have one of my favorite guys, Chris Muzan, financial therapist and coach. And today we have a really exciting um, topic to talk about. But before we even go there, Chris, you know me, I have to pull out my sense and magical accoutrement. Let's do Uh, it. This is my sage, so we gotta light up that sage. I just like having a scent. I hear you. Start something out. Ritual, ceremony, I'm all into that. Yeah. All right, but matches don't do the greatest job for lighting. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's breaking for me. I don't know if it's happening for you. Everything's breaking in this, in this house I live in, but, so I only have one lighter left. That's okay. But here's some sage for you. Ooh. Thank you for that. Yes. Nice cleansing. Yeah, you can feel it. Hey, you can't see. I know. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Um, Okay, so today's topic: God and money. And since you and I are both in the Christian tradition that we're going to be talking specifically about this as it relates to Christianity, I'm sure that if we, um, you know, we're doing a more encompassing span of world religions, it would be a different kind of conversation, perhaps. But maybe not. Um, and so the way that I wanted to sort of start out was to, um, maybe talk about why I think this is a significant topic and see sort of, um, you're, you're a practicing Christian and you also are running this, um, company or firm about finances and helping people with their finances. So obviously this is something that you've thought about and that comes up for you. And for me, um, as a yoga teacher, and I'm um, kind of branching out into some different kinds of healing work and things like that, and my faith and spirituality is very um, deeply rooted in me. So for me, this is a big question because I keep wondering how finances merge with um, our concepts of God and love and money and things like that. Sure. Um, Okay, so let me start off with, so this is the one um, parable, or it's not even a parable, is it? Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I think so. so the one that kind of gets me every time, and that <laughs> makes me think every time, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. So this one is from, um, so I gave you some passages to start this off just from the New Testament. I didn't sort of explore the other parts, but I'm willing to talk about other aspects of the Bible. Um, but this is the New Testament. Um, and I kind of don't delve as deeply into the Old Testament when I read, um, just because it gets me more confused, but it's not that I'm yeah. against it. It's just a little more confusing. Absolutely. Me. Absolutely. Cause it is. <laughs> That's so, just true. Um, so Luke, this is Luke 16. So, um, Jesus is speaking here. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I'll stop at that part. So that is the thing that I think comes up a lot for me when I'm thinking about, he he has a very either or 
sort of mentality about it. And I'm curious how you've read that in the past or now. Yeah. yeah. So uh, first off, just want to say, like, I enjoy this conversation. I don't think it, I don't think it happens enough, but yeah. it's a very, very real question. And um, like you said, like we're, we're all walking in our faith, right? We're all walking in our spirituality. None of us are perfect says in the Bible for we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Like, so like, we're not perfect human beings by any means, but we're all just kind of learning this and figuring this thing out. Um, some of us more mature in our spiritual walk, but obviously that's what this is about. And so to kind of preface this, I want people to know, like, I'm not classically trained, right? Like I'm not like a theologian or haven't gone to seminary or any of those things. Uh, I've just, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church and then college kind of lost my way, right? Everybody kind of loses their way a bit. And then you come back in the church and then you start to uh, really as a Christian, my belief is that like we're Christ followers, right? Right. We're called to be disciples of, of Christ. And so we take his teachings and we take the Bible as the inspired word of God, right? Like, so everything that we believe, um, and this is like a, like a religion lesson, I guess, mm -hmm. but like everything that we believe we believe that like the word of God is truth, mm -hmm. right? So everything found in the Bible is truth. Like that's our foundation. And you agree with that, Jenna, yeah? Yes, but when you say truth, I just want to clarify um, mm -hmm. because we talk, you know, we hear people talk about taking the Bible literally and there's a difference between, you know, fundamentalist Christians and, and evangelical and all those sorts of things. So I agree with you about truth. Right. But um, but can we can we make some nuance in terms of literal yeah. versus yeah exactly and that's when it breaks down into people's interpretation. But if we can all start with the basis as if we read it in the Bible, we're gonna uh, we're gonna believe that that's true, right? Our interpretation of it is different. Yeah. But if it comes from the Bible, like we're gonna say like, all right, well that that is truth. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's the foundation of it. And so as we start to get into scriptures, especially this one, because I go, I do, I do this a lot with, with people. The thing to understand is actually the context of okay. a scripture like this. Okay. So first and foremost, understanding that when Jesus spoke, he spoke in parables. Mm -hmm. A parable is a story. Mm -hmm. A parable isn't literal. We read it literally because it's his words, but the, but he's telling it figuratively as a story so these aren't like most of the times when he's talking and you see a parable it's just it's made up mm -hmm. right that, that's why they said like if if jesus came back today like he would be in entertainment like he would be a movie producer Absolutely. Would, right like that <laughs> totally that's what he, that's what he would do he would tell stories <laughs> a bunch right like that's what happens yeah. so when we're in when we're reading the bible we have to understand that like in this say in this passage first it's a it's a story first and foremost okay and then going even deeper into getting the context, we have to understand during these times in like the Jewish custom, there were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of the times, and, and again, I'm not a theologian. I don't yeah. go into this. I just understand this part because that's how you study the Bible. Mm -hmm. Pharisees, Pharisees, which is normally who Jesus is talking about or to when he's talking about money. Right. Normally, when Jesus is talking about money, he's either talking about the Pharisees or talking to the Pharisees, yeah. okay? Because the Pharisees in that time, they were, if you can correlate it to anything, they were like a religious sect that believed 
that um, the words written, right, like the law, what everyone went off of, didn't necessarily apply to them. Yes. Right? They were the maker. Don't you think they thought they were the makers of it? Right. And yeah. so, but so that there were like different levels of it and they were just at the top of that level of, right? Like what they needed to pay attention to and what they needed to follow. And one of the things that the Pharisees were, like most of them were also uh, relatively wealthy mm-hmm. or had some money. And so what they would do in those times is they would often get people to believe that it was because of their wealth and because of their good deeds and because of who they were, that they would make it into heaven. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, not so much. You have to do these things. And that was always their belief. It's like, well, we can pay alms, right? Like we can give, give to people. And because we give to people, we're going to heaven. Right. This, this is actually practical. It happens in practical days today yeah. when people don't take the Bible as truth or don't have a, right, a, a religious background, they just say, well, I'm a good person. So of course, I'm, God loves me, right? Of course, I'm going to heaven because God, because I'm good. I gave to the homeless man. I give to charity. So of course, I'm going to heaven. That's literally the same type of conversation that Jesus is trying to have with the Pharisees. Like, it's not your money. It's not your good deeds. It's not those things. It's not that stuff that gets you into heaven. So in this passage specifically, when you kind of go into it, he's really more saying like, and this is my interpretation, right? We don't know, but this is my interpretation when I read it, is that if you feel like uh, you are going to make it into heaven because you do all these things and have built earthly wealth, if that is what you hold as your truth, as your thing that is going to get you to that next place, which is heaven, you're wrong. You can't serve, and they use the word serve, and as you get into biblical, right, like you'll see that word serve goes to different places from the the Greek versus, right, like, so, but if we look at it in in our English language, to serve, it means you do, right, like you do things for that thing. Mm -hmm. That's what you do it for. The reason you give is for, is, is a financial reason. The reason you make, you do this is for a financial reason. It's, that's what you serve. Jesus came to explain to the Jewish people and to people in general that if you serve God, you'll get everything that you want. Your job is to not say that this is the thing that I have to get because he's trying to get people to understand that if you just go after God, if you just seek his face, it says, it right, if you, if, if you just follow him, Jesus, a lot of these uh, scriptures that you're talking about, he was alive teaching. So he's trying to teach people because, again, he came in radical. Like, people are like, you're the son of God. Like, we're supposed to listen to you type of thing. Like, they didn't get it. Mm -hmm. So now he's making his statements and making his point saying, all the things you thought you could do to get into heaven, to gain access to God, is not the case. It's It's actually following me, dropping all the things that you think this world has for you that makes you pious, that makes you, right, the person to get to heaven. But actually, you have to follow me to be able to do that. So I hear, I hear you on that. Um, so I want to p- unpack a couple of things there. Because the thing that strikes me about that passage is this idea of having a master. And I think you're right, the serving and what do you do something for? Um, 
So I like that you're, you're essentially sort of saying, and I think some of scripture backs this up too, that, you know, um, if you put your heart with God, this is what God, you know, his saying, he's saying is God's message that you put your heart with God and you focus on God first, then the other pieces come into play, right? Then the other pieces are taken care of, which is, you know, another one of those passage about the lilies of the field and all the, the flowers don't toil. There's no need to worry about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the Our Father is a prayer that says, give us our daily bread. Right. So there's definitely a spiritual underpinning that is kind of about focus on each day as it comes and, you know, put your faith in God and the rest will follow the problem. But, but there have to be nuances to something like that. And that's how you get into more scripture, right? Like if, again, go back to my first contextual part is like, if we're going to take the Bible as truth, then the whole Bible is truth. Right. And so when you come to that conclusion, which is a logical conclusion, Jana, like that makes sense. But then there's, then you follow it up with what else, what else is in the Bible that explains what we're supposed to do then, right? And then there's passages about work. There's passages about, like it says like in the Bible, and I'm paraphrasing again, it mm-hmm. says something, some, something about like, you know, like if, if you, no, no man can, can eat if they haven't, right? Like uh, sown their harvest or like um, planted their seed, right? No, no, no man can, can reap that harvest if you have not planted. That, right. is, that is a scripture that specifically talks about work yeah go go to the, one of the main scriptures faith without works is dead right you can that's when people say like oh god's just gonna make it happen no no no. it also says in the bible faith without works is dead right that means you can have all the faith if you're not actively doing something that's not faith yeah right that's laziness and so again people try to sometimes miss or they maybe accidentally misinterpret what that says by not taking other context of the rest of the Bible and other scriptures to pull it all into a picture for you mm-hmm. to say, right? Like this is how, how, how it should be. One of the scriptures I told you, I want to give you a yeah. counter scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to pull it up right here, but it's, it's Matthew 6, 22, 23. I think you had a part of this that you had sent it to me. Okay. Um, but let me make sure this is right. I've got my handy dandy Bible app. <laughs> I'm a paper person myself. I'm always Are you? on the paper. Yep. <laughs> this is just, conv- is just more convenient for me. Yeah. Right. So again, Matthew 26, 22, 23. Oh no, that was actually, that was, that, that was something com- completely different. I think I put a, uh, so it says the, the eye is the lamp of your body. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole yeah. body will be full of light. Yeah. Um, uh, and that, but that was something different that I was actually doing. I don't even know why I wrote that. But, <laughs> I love that one, though. I but it's a great scripture, that. right? Like, <laughs> it's, it's, though. it's so true. When you look in someone's eyes, you really get a sense of who they are, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. That was absolutely. a tangent, you know. That was, it, that, that was a solid tangent. Maybe it was this one. It was the Luke, never mind, because I gave myself notes. It was Luke 18, 28. Okay. That was the one. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I gave you a part of it, and then I cut off right before that. Go ahead. Yeah, ahead. and then... As I get to, like, I know, though, it was that last part that <laughs> if you read, if you actually read it in the message Bible, 
it, okay. uh, it sums it up really well. So the Message Bible, if, if you're familiar with it, the translation, the yeah. Message translation, I, I use that uh, after I read the NIV or the NLT. Okay, I've heard of this one. Yeah, so the Message Bible, uh, I wish I can give you the best context on it, but a guy like maybe 30 years ago, I don't know, maybe sooner than that, just wanted to kind of retranslate the Bible in plain language so people yeah. can understand it. So yeah. it's not right. So it's very, very like new English, okay. but it allows people to understand a little bit of context. Um, if you don't understand kind of what the biblical language was or what they were trying to explain mm -hmm. and I'm pulling it up here. It's it. So Luke 18, 28 says, um, so that was the story that we were just talking about, right? No, it's not actually. Oh, that was a different one. I would, I would set up what, before you say that piece and you know, Chris paper's so good. I could just pull out. My Look at you. Right you can go straight to your Bible. Look at that. <laughs> and I could find it much faster than your little app, but, <laughs> <laughs> but let's give a little context. Yeah. Give context. You get to that because this is another really big one. Another important one, right? So some, this is in both Luke and in Mark. Mm -hmm. The man who comes up to Jesus and, and talks about all the things that he's done, you know, he, he wants to follow Jesus. Jesus says, okay, we'll follow the commandments and here are all the things you need to do. And, you know, um, don't commit adultery and you know, all these different sorts of things, which adultery, I think, has a whole other, I, 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 I yeah. don't know root word. So um, anyway, he says, so the, so the man responds, all these commandments I've kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the man heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, and in another, um, I believe it's in Mark, he looks to the disciples and says this. So either way, he's saying the same thing. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, are you saying there's a piece just after that? Yep, there's a piece okay. just after that part. Okay. Did you find it or do I? I did. No, I have it. I, right. I have it. <laughs> Look at you. I have it. Uh, but to add on to that part, and again, I'm reading out of the Message Bible. Yes. What it says on, in verse 26, the, the, the prince or the person asks, uh, then who has any chance at all? The other right. Asked, right. Right. And this is Jesus's response. He said, no chance at all, Jesus said, if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world, if you trust God to do it. That's verse 27 through 20 to uh, 20. Yeah, that's verse 27. I hear you. Let me, I want to um, look this up though, 11. Because let me tell you, Chris, I, you know, I'm an, well, former English teacher, I guess I, I don't feel like that's really over for me completely, but mm. um, a writer, so an editor, words are big for me, you know, and that's mm. why I always like looking into root words. So to read someone's translation, I mean, I, I just think there's so much in translations that, you know, you, you have to sort of get to the root of it, right? So I mm. guess you have to trust that the person who's translating it into those, into whatever, however, well, it's, a, well, it's a very known, like, like no, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not doubting it. I just, um, I want to look at what it says in my version, which is, yeah, 
know what this version is. This was like some probably have a, a NIV or a... Is it NIV. Where do I find this? Probably like the first page. Yeah, it is NIV. It is yeah. NIV. Yeah. 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 Um, and then there's some. A friend of mine has a very egalitarian version that I really like too. Yeah. Um, but this is just the one I have, so I just keep using it. Okay. So. Well, you no, know, when you have the app, you get access to all of the versions. I know. Jenna, just to let you know. Complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> overwhelmed. <laughs> um so in mine it says um what jesus replied what is impossible with man is possible with god so i guess that's sort of similar to what you said and then peter mm -hmm. peter is just an interesting guy isn't he funny all guy all over the place <laughs> we have left all we had to follow you i just want to say this yes. truly i tell you no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of god will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life so that's a yeah. whole other so so let me read that exact same thing in the what? message bible tell me okay that exact thing in the message bible <laughs> says uh peter tried to regain some initiative this is verse 28 peter tried to regain some initiative uh we left everything we owned and followed you didn't we verse 29 yes jesus said and you won't regret it no one who has sacrificed home, spouse, brothers or sisters, parents or children, whatever, will lose out. It will all come back multiplied many times over in your lifetime, and then the bonus of eternal life. Okay. Right? So again, the reason why I like reading the Message Bible, or at least context, is because that's what he was trying to say. And, you know, you're more about, about the language, so it's close. Oh, yeah. But, like, it gives you some context to understand, like, he's not specifically talking about money, right? He's telling people that like, again, back to context, he's talking to Pharisees. He's talking to people that believe their good deeds will get them into heaven. Their money will get them into heaven, their good deeds, the things they do, how good they are, that gets them into heaven. So he's a, talking about money in this sense, but he's not really talking about specifically to us money. He's talking about anything that you think you can use personally for yourself to get you into heaven to get you eternal life yeah but i don't know if i agree with that piece because he he just said to this man who in one is a is a young man and then in another in luke he's a ruler it says a certain ruler mm -hmm. so i understand that you, you're saying he might be a, one of the pharisees um but he does say sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven that sounds very much like a a deed right it seems sure. to be suggesting do this deed you know i also think that there's times when we're not sure what i often think that when i read these passages so i read something every morning because i'm in a group um that meets weekly and so we have a passage every morning to read and um i often think that the frame of mind a person is in already the place where they are they're going to see what they're going to feel and, and, and hear and see what they're already in, right? This mental Absolutely. state that they're in. Absolutely. So I think it, it really requires a kind of um, contemplation and almost sometimes a neutrality to really hear the truest message um, because sometimes it's going to come in on different layers. But this so is I, biblical teaching though, right? Like that's what that becomes when you get into the Bible and get taught the Bible, like it, you'll get broken down into right what was happening in this time so that you can have context that's the biggest thing about the bible is we don't put it in context to what's happening we try to just take the words and apply it but 
the word the words that we're trying to apply probably aren't the words they were trying to say. Right, right. Right. But that one, but that message of giving to the poor and needy comes up pretty often, right? And his and Jesus's critique of the Pharisees and those with power and wealth seems to come up pretty often over and over again that you could say there's definitely a theme there, right? Yes, but in context. Like yes, there's a theme, but the theme is in context that before Jesus came, this was the way of the world at that time. They that this is what people believed. So if uh oh, he froze. Oh. Someone comes in and completely contradicts that side. They completely contradict it. It's going to be radical. It doesn't mean that there isn't validity in it, but it also doesn't mean that it can be taken literally for that specific thing. So again. My, con- my context of this same passage is, and if you read right from the beginning of it and you kind of put yourself in that place, that's one of the things that one of my pastors used to always say is like, if, if you're going to read the Bible, try to put yourself in every character's shoes, in every person's shoes in that context. So in this context, Jesus is teaching his parable, like parables, teaching people and this prince, guy, person that's over here tries to challenge Jesus. He challenges him by saying. I didn't see that as challenging at all. See, here's the thing, Chris. I'm coming to this really like a baby because I did not grow up with anybody teaching me scripture. And I'm glad, to be honest with you, because I came to this faith through Quakerism, which a lot of Quakers don't even believe in Jesus or read the Bible. Um, But... I do really, I did feel a lot of connection to the Quaker tradition, which is very much about your own inner light and your own inner experience. And so to me, when you've gotten really rich in your own experience of learning, then when you come to scripture, you have a a relationship where it's maybe a little more um, of a co-creation in terms of an understanding, as opposed to kind of as a child, and I'm not saying this is you, but kind of being fed these stories so that they land in a way that um, it's hard to overturn. So I don't see, that's interesting that you see it that way. I don't go back, go go back, go back to the beginning of that scripture. Read it again. Like there's a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit internal eternal life? Mm -hmm. And then Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. But to me, I hear Jesus a little go, bit. Go, like, go again, go again, like go to the next verse and then we'll stop. Okay. Go to, go to verse All 21. Kept since I was a boy, he said, when Jesus heard this, That's he it. said to him. Exactly. Then he said, there's only one thing left to do. Okay, so, so here, let me tell you a take that I have on this because, you know, yeah. as an English teacher, I always had a reading of things. Yeah. There's different ways I think you can read this. But I, I think one of the things that's missing a little bit sometimes is that Jesus may have had a little bit of, well, I don't know that it's missing, but, you know, some frustration, some sarcasm at times, like where he might just be annoyed with, with some of the people that he's dealing with. And um, I think he's probably just kind of rattling off. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then maybe when the the man says, I've kept all these since he, I was a boy, he has a recognition 
of what maybe maybe even intuitively of what's holding the man back from feeling that connection to the divine which is why he suggests selling everything so there's a question here of is he literally saying sell everything i mean it's in mark and luke that he says this or there's a question of um that he knows this is this is the man's heart right there's a question here about the heart um that it's holding back and that and that the, the whole question about the camel and the threading you know like a camel can go through the eye of the needle i think there seems to be a suggestion here that when you have that level of wealth this is what he seems to be saying when you have that level of wealth it's holding you back because maybe there's a fear of losing all of it and you don't have maybe the level of humility i don't know I, I i i yeah. understand like again very real way and i'm glad you gave me context of like how you read the scripture because again yeah. i only know how i read it and not how i yeah. help other people read it but like um i again i wouldn't take it that way right i wouldn't take it that like that camel in the needle right that that verse is about you know um a sense of having too much doesn't allow you right and again that's what i will count count uh, right with counter. the last part right we can say you can right exactly and i'll and again i'll point to some other scripture i, ha I do have a few other ones that i'll find yeah. right yeah. that i'll point yeah. to that say that wealth is good that having a lot of money and having and passing an inheritance like these things are good things so again the context of this passage here's how i take it yeah right yeah. Jesus is out again. Put myself in the in the environment. Jesus yeah. is out. He's outside. He's talking to his to people, literally telling them that he is the way. Mm -hmm. For their whole life and their families, everyone around has been like, "No, the law is the way." Jesus comes in and starts talking about how he's the way. So this guy standing on the side speaks up after Jesus is given like his thing of like follow me. And he says, okay, Jesus, like, this is how I take it. Like, okay, good teacher. And that's why Jesus comes in. Like, why are you calling me good? Like, I know, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're trying to do. But the, the kid, the guy is like, well, I've done all of these things. Right? Like, that's like, what is the, what, what does it say? Um, he's saying, uh, what must I do to get eternal life then? And he's like, why are you calling me good? Like, I know you're just trying to trap me and make me say something he's like okay well ah you froze again do the law if that's what you already believe and that's what you know do the law and the law is right no killing like the 10 commandments so then the guy is like oh okay well i do all that hmm and so jesus is like oh okay you do all that sell everything you got follow me okay now and and now let's see how how much you want to be in heaven how much you care for eternal life right it's it's them that's what the pharisees would do they would show out to be like you're not right like we can get there fine and jesus keeps telling them in all types of ways no whatever you think you can do to get there won't happen that he has to bring up money because that's what they held on to at that time if it were sheep, we would be having a different conversation in 2020 about what that 
passage meant. If if they if at the time Pharisees only cared about sheep, and that's just their way of saying I was wealthy because I had a bunch of sheep, and then Jesus starts always talking about sheep. Somewhere along the line, we would start to think sheep are a bad animal or sheep are something that we shouldn't right deal with because he kept he keep he kept bringing it up. But yeah. that's what but that's what I'm saying, right? Like this parable, the context of what's happening at that time to understand the full biblical ramification of what's happening to get a good understanding of what is that person really asking they're not remember people weren't coming to jesus because they really thought he was a savior like the pharisee everyone was trying to call him a liar everyone was trying to say you're not what you say you are so every time the a lot of times when you read uh, biblical interactions with characters and Jesus, they're mm-hmm. actually challenging him. They're actually like, really? Really? Why do this? Why are you going to tell? And that's the interactions that a lot of characters in the Bible have with Jesus because he came to be able to right, change everything, be super radical about it. So there was always that tension, that pushback. With his disciples, he cared about them. They cared about him. There's a softer like you can see his parables might be a little softer to some of the people that are in his circle. But when it's people outside, it's like there is that tension. So again, well, back, go ahead. Yeah. I was just saying, so again, going back to the, the scripture, I wouldn't say that it's a, he's attacking the fact that this guy has too much money. He's attacking the fact that this guy cares so much about his money yeah that he won't do the thing that actually he needs to do to get into heaven so you're saying it's not necessarily a parable about money it's a parable about the man himself the man man who is prioritizing his money and and his hearts with his money instead of with god Go, go, and you wrote this scripture down, the one that has on the back end that says, so where your treasure is, so will your heart be? Yes. What, what, what scripture is that? Read, read that one. Matthew. You. So Matthew 6 says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Right. And so what God is trying to do is he's trying to get your heart. Jesus wants to get our heart. When our heart is somewhere else, that's where our treasure is, right? So that's why there's this correlation with money is because people put money on that pedestal of their heart. Right. That's where they put it. They say like, that's the thing that I got to go after. That's the thing I'm, I'm striving for. But if you just put God on that seat, yeah. You will get all of the things that you want. That And wealth is one of those things that God, God wants us to live a life and have it more right. abundantly. That is a scripture. Jesus came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. That means we are supposed to have more abundance in this life. In this life. And that's, again, context. When you read a scripture like that, that well, it, it, then it causes those parallels. Like, well, how does God want us to have it all when he's talking about money? And this is why I'm saying, like, in these contexts, he's not specifically talking about money. He's using money as the example because that's what the Pharisees held high. That's what the, fair, that's what the land held high in their heart as to how they would get into heaven. And so Jesus has to come to say, what you're thinking is not right. 
this is the way to think, but he's not condemning money specifically. Let me give you those other uh, verses. Proverbs, 20, Ecclesiastes 10, 19. Let's start there. Well, I love Ecclesiastes because it's all about just live for the day, right? But I have some responses to you, Chris. Oh, go for it. No, 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 no. I think you should keep going. Go with your Ecclesiastes. I'm, I'm Ecclesi taking it in. I'm taking it in. Good. Ecclesi <laughs> Ecclesiastes 10, 19, verse uh, 19. Pulling it up. <laughs> I love this. I never, I had not seen it. That's right. People don't pick out, people don't pick out the great parts of the Bible. <laughs> I do love it. I always have. This Read is it. my most, this is my most worn, see? Ah, uh, <laughs> I see. And I still miss that. How about that? That's good. Read it out. A feast is made for laughter. Wine makes <laughs> life merry. And money is the answer for everything. <laughs> it's great. In the Bible. Right. Like if we take if if we take things and I, I don't know these terms specifically, but I know this is the theological terms like exogete and isogete the text. Right. To exegete the text means like to take that one piece and pull it out of the text to just talk about that one thing. And then I, I think the other one is to like put it in and get context around it. But like if we're going to pull anything out, if we're just going to pull scriptures out, we got to pull out all of them. And if we want to talk about the ones that say money, then this is one that people don't talk about at all. That literally in the Bible, it says money is the answer to everything. Right, right. You want to, you want to have that conversation? Like, there's right. no debate no. on that one. No, it's, no and this is, the, this is what's tricky about the, the kind of scripture battle that people go in. Because, I mean, a, a big reason I stayed away from looking into Jesus at all as a potential, like, client of mine. <laughs> 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 was because I used to <laughs> that is funny <laughs> that's gonna be my new LinkedIn thing that is right <laughs> that's fine it's Jesus <laughs> that's funny. Um, because I used to sit you know I I so I grew up in a house that really didn't have any faith and there was no practice of this and there was really a kind of as the eschewing, you know, um, and that's spelled E S E. I mean, my my mom had uh, like a had faith. She she believed in God, but there wasn't any sort of practice to support that because it just wasn't part of our uh, part of our life. And so, money was a big stressor growing up for me. Um, and so my reaction, and I know a lot of people have similar, similar uh, reactions when they have humble beginnings. If they, if they hear a lot of stress and strife surrounding money, they, they decide they're going to um, plan a life that gives them a level of security, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so they start making plans about how they're going to act and what they're going to do in the world based on, you know, this question of having security and having, you know, some sort of financial wealth or abundance in some capacity. Maybe it's not a lot, but it's some sort of security. And I know that that's the path I followed. And I know that a lot of people make that sort of choice because they don't want the stress and struggle that comes from not having enough money. But, you know, my, my take on a lot of this scripture is that the kingdom of heaven is not this place, and, and again, because of my yoga background, mm -hmm. 
that the kingdom of heaven is not this place that you get to when you die necessarily. That to me, um, you know, the afterlife and what might happen there. I mean, I really, I really still believe that there are, um, there, there is reincarnation and that you come back, your soul kind of continues to grow and evolve. Um, I do think that Jesus might be a path that if you're truly following him and that it's the narrow gate instead of the wide gate, because Jesus just became grouped in with all these other prophets that people just used. Um, So just because you say you believe in Jesus and you follow him does not mean much. It's really about how do you live your life and what do you practice, you know? Um, But that goes and just to cut you off real quick, I'll let you get back. That goes into what that means to be a Christ follower to you. If that just means I recognize that he was a man, he was the son of God, however you recognize him, but then you just go live your life, that's not being a Christ follower, right? Like you have, and this goes back to our first initial point, like the Bible is the word of God. It's, the, it's truth. The only way, if you are, if you call yourself a Christ follower, someone that's a disciple of Christ, you, call, you are called to walk with him. The only way you're called to walk with him is to learn who he is and, te- and get taught by him. The only way to know who he is is to read your Bible. It's well, a cycle. I don't think that's the only way. Oh, and, and, and see, and again, right? Like this is where it falls back to like, that's actually, but that's what it says in the Bible. Right? Like, <laughs> right? Like if, if we're gonna- thinking, no, I'm not, I'm not, I am finding such sustenance there. So I'm not suggesting that it's the opposite. I, I, I'm really looking into some of these other sort of traditions that, would um you know some of the traditions that i'm on are not the classic sure. christian tradition it's the quakers who have been on the fringe you know i call them god's weird people and then <laughs> you know a little bit about quakers right yeah i do i went to a quaker school I told <laughs> yeah, you that. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you know what i'm talking about god's weird people <laughs> yeah i do um then there's the wisdom tradition of Christianity or the contemplatives that are more mystical and, um, and they have a different sort of um, approach. And, you know, one of my favorite yogis, Paramahansa Yogananda, who came from the East, came, he, he came to the West, brought yoga and um, started a school in California and converted to Catholicism because he recognized from his yoga that different traditions all have the same fundamental truths. And so he fell in love with, you know, the, the Catholic faith and the saints and all those sorts of things, because the saints that are connected with Catholicism or with Jesus are not wildly different than some of the saints that would be from Hinduism or, you know, whatever. So, so I, I don't, so while I'm, you know, I love Jesus, I follow him, I pray to him every day. I, I really, I, I read scripture and I crave it and I love working with it. It doesn't mean that I think you can't find bliss and, um, and a sense of, etern- of the eternal through other traditions. I just feel that this is my path. This is, this is the one that I've come to. And so my understanding of the kingdom of heaven, like I was saying before, is that it can be an internal space that's within you, that's on another kind of almost realm where you're, <laughs> now I'm sounding very, um, I don't know what I sound like, but I'll just tell you that there are these realms, because the traditional Christian path or what I was taught and or what I heard and sort of didn't know that I believed or could could kind of follow along with is like 
you do these things, you follow this path, and then you die, and then you're with God, and then everything's great, you don't go to hell. And I'll tell you, Chris, I was five years old in a Catholic school, and they were telling me this stuff, and I was raising my hand with questions. <laughs> I, did, I was just like, I'm not getting this. I have a lot of questions. Um, the nuns didn't know how to answer those questions back then, and I felt, I felt like some some loss of credibility for those nuns at the time because I just thought, why? You should, <laughs> right. you, should you should be you should know these answers. Right? <laughs> um, and that's sort of why I think through my life I sort of turned away from traditional religion because I was like, I don't know that somebody who is, um, you know, a leader in a religious institution is necessarily any closer to God then like you said like an artist in hollywood who's who's putting out some sort of great art that is teaching people and inspiring people and all of that so mm -hmm. when i when i i think we often see jesus because uh, we see there a mirror of ourselves to some degree in him and i think mm -hmm. he sheds light on the truest deepest parts of who we are um, and because I know, you know, you were talking about context earlier, and because I know that a lot of what is in the Bible was selected, and there's all kinds of translations, and there's things that are missing. There's missing pieces, like for me, the God, what brought me to the Bible was the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, and, and these Nag Hammadi manuscripts that got pulled out of the earth and people were like whoa what's this what's this and then the study of the gospel of thomas and the gospel of mary and then there's a few others like the gospel of philip i haven't read but the awareness that whoa there might have been more happening during his life and there might have been other things that were said that would add a nuance and different layers that we don't quite get um now and so while i read these pieces the thing that's you know that's always been a struggle for me as a woman is the absence of you know women of prominence of any kind it's just it just feels that feels false to me so while i think jesus's words are true and i think that he can speak through all those levels of translation and all those you know like from aramaic to hebrew to greek and then from the NIV Bible to the message Bible I feel that his words are still going to come through and you're still going to get the message you need to hear your heart he's that powerful I also feel like there has to be an awareness that you know the Bhagavad Gita is true too and the idea that if you are in tune with the Lord you know the 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 Lord for you like what who is who are you following if you're in tune with that you can hear those messages of love and wisdom from different people in your life you can hear it when you pick up a poem you can hear it from a song that's playing from the radio so like i that's been my experience of connecting with him in a, in a union way in in my meditation and things that i feel like you can develop a relationship with him that is not exclusive to the bible but the bible is important to know and understand to get to know him better does that make sense makes sense makes sense and you know again right we come from two different places um, yeah. and I, I i understand completely um but i but i would just counter by saying like it's tough to pull pieces of different things to make it something that's truth then it becomes janice thing this is what and this is why i don't follow I say it makes christmas <laughs> no because again like i started this off with 
my truth is the Bible. I will always counter, like we can always go back to relate. If, if ever I get into a spiritual religious debate and I tell people up front, like my foundation is the Bible. I, and again, this is our upbringing and how we get introduced yeah, to yeah. Mm-hmm. our spirituality. Um, I don't believe in religion. Religion drives, right? Religion is man-made. My, my relationship with God is real. Right. So that's where people kind of like, I don't know. And I don't study religions. I've never studied a religion. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't care to. And my wife opposite, she studied all the religions. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Dif- again, come from different places. I always understood my relationship with God was actually what I needed. I didn't need a person, a person to go to. I was never raised that the pastor is holier than thou. I was never raised that way. My mom at, from a young age was like, if it's not in the Bible, it's not real. Right? <laughs> if whatever they're saying up there doesn't, you can't find it in the Bible, that it's their interpretation of what they think it is, which isn't truth, right? There has to be some foundation. Go ahead. I hear, I hear you on that. And I'm not trying to discount your mom because I'm sure your mom is the most amazing person. Yeah. <laughs> but um everybody's inter it's 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 everybody's gonna have their own take right i mean that i mean I, and i'm saying this from having taught english for so many years and having studied that as you know in my master's degree and having seen one book and this not it's not the bible right oh. but it you know a book that could cause you know a thousand critical theory articles about the different nuances of what a character means and a plot device and blah, blah, blah. So I'm coming to you from saying that the way we read something, and I I don't think this has to shake anybody's faith because I've met you, I know you, I know that you are connected to God. I feel that when I talk to you. So, but you know, um, but this, and I don't typically have any sort of deep, you know, I don't want to call it a debate, but deep spiritual conversations Conversation. like this with many people because many people don't want to have don't them. Don't want to have them, exactly. Yeah. And I don't have them for the same reasons. <laughs> <You're right? laughs> but uh, we found each other. Exactly. Look, there we go. Match made in heaven. But um, I mean, I do know that people are going to read something and they're going to, um, they're going to take from it. They're going to apply their own experience, their own understandings in life. You know, you might read something when you're 15 and have a certain understanding and then another time at 30 and then 50. And you're, it's going to have seasoned inside you in a way that, you know, it's going to, it's going to sound different. It's going to feel different. You're maybe going to know the truth of it in a different way. You know, for some people, it might be very conceptual. Some of these stories, and they're getting their heads around it. But for me, like, I'm always trying to pull in who do I know or how do I relate to this or what have I done? Um, and probably not even enough of that. You know what I mean? Um, but so I guess that's my, my thinking is I, I do agree with you that you can't just assume that a religious leader is telling you the truth, what they're saying, because that's that person. And you, I like that the Bible is this source of coming back to, but I also, it's a way of speaking with God, right? I guess you could say it's a way of having that relationship, but I also yes. know that there, dif- there can be different interpretations because the Bible's really big. And so you just even showed me 
here's a story of Jesus, you know, your understanding of that story of Jesus telling this man. Now in Mark, that man comes to him and gets on his knees and is practically weeping and saying, I've done everything. What, how can, how can I be with you? And it's he sounds a lot different than the certain ruler in Luke, right? This man in Mark who comes before Jesus real and Jesus looks at him with love. And you, there's almost a kind of sympathy or pity for the, the struggle that this man is facing. So it's a very different kind of story. Sure. Um, so but again, story, right, like from a book standpoint, you can get to deeper truths. If you read it, if you read that and you say, okay, this is what I take from it, you can go into deeper understandings of that text. There's plenty of uh, places you can go. There's people to reach out to. There's, uh, why am I forgetting the name of it? There's an actual book that like pastors, preachers use, like when you read a text and then you can go to some, this book and you can get all the information of like where that language, like how it came up, the context, like that's it, called something, I'm, it's, I'm blanking on it, but like that would be the next step, right? It's not just, and this is where understanding the difference between what religion would say and what your relationship with God is, mm -hmm. right? Like I'll, I can only tell you kind of my cycle in this same manner. I read the Bible every morning. I read a devotion every morning. And then I pray on that word. I meditate on that. That's what it says in the Bible. Yeah. If you, if you meditate on that word, right? That's how you, God begins to speak to you. Mm -hmm. Your prayer life becomes a conversation. You're reading the words that God is saying you're taking it in and interpreting. And then you're saying, God, what is that? Like, and then you're telling him how you are interpreting it. And through text, meaning more reading and through him and his right, like work in you, he'll give you the revelation that you need from that text. That's how I, that's how it works. It's a cycle of learning just from the Bible, just from this place, because I believe that is the truth. So if I read it, it doesn't make sense to me, or I interpret it a certain way and it's not sitting right. I pray, I meditate on it. Mm -hmm. I ask God, I talk to him. Hey, what's going on? Like, how am I supposed to, is this? And then from there, he'll lead me to another scripture or it'll just be longer prayer or like over weeks, over months, over lifetimes of doing mm -hmm. this over and over. And you get revelation mm -hmm. that comes from the one place yeah. where I, where I would say it's, right? Challenging in the way you do. It. And again, this isn't like a, right? Like your way, my way, but like right. just seeing our different paths. Yeah. What's challenging is if you chose to interpret that your way, but then went to another place to find truth, you'll always be confused because there's nothing that will cut. Like, you know what I mean? Like if I'm reading this book and I say, this doesn't make sense, or I don't understand, there's got to be something more, but then I go to another source to try to get information. Now you're just doing research. And that's why people don't have clarity on what truth is. Go all the way back to our beginning conversation. This is why people struggle with money and having the conversation with God and money because there's no foundational truth to what God is for most people. If there's no foundational truth to that, then it's a matter of like, well, everything is up in the air. Everything's a matter of interpretation. How we look at life, just all of it becomes interpretation. So that gets us right back to the point of what this boy is asking in this parable of like, well, how do I get there then? It's not about money. God's saying, you have to follow me, like me, Jesus, like me, like follow me and you'll get all these other things because I am the way, the truth, and the life. Like it's through me that you get to see the father. 
and I know a lot of people that follow religion have a problem with that specific part right there. The biggest part about Christianity or right, like, like Jesus followers, Christ followers, is the thing that we believe is that there's no other way to get to heaven but through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a foundational belief. We believe that God. What is right? heaven? So heaven is eternal life eternal life after your physical body is gone you have an eternal life that lives on forever where that place is spent we believe in heaven and hell right it's not just in the air it's not just you like you know i understand reincarnation is a real thing or you know for people to but like in our in the bible it's that hasn't been proven it's eternal life though what's proven is you will live after you die after your physical body goes away, you will still be living somewhere. That's eternal life. Where you choose to spend that is whether or not, what Christians believe, whether or not you chose to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So is Jesus though, and, and refresh my memory because I haven't really come across this. Is Jesus telling people they're going to go to hell? I don't. I don't recall any of that. So I guess that's what I'm asking is, is that a man-made concept The you go to heaven or you go to hell? I, I don't hear that coming from Jesus. So I guess it's what I, I don't, I don't know that it's man-made because it's in the new the old Testament. You want to talk about the old Testament? That's confusing. Right? <laughs> we're not, we're not right? time for that today. <laughs> There's a lot of he, uh, hell talk in uh, the old Testament. I know. Oh, you know, I know. Meaning that, like, that's where you know there was a foundation set that there is a heaven and a hell. There is a better place for eternal and a place that, if you chose not to accept Christ, right, where you would spend it, right. The difference between, and I've learned this, the difference between like religion and Christianity is because there are actually, or should I say, religion and like you know Christ followers. It's because like we understand that it's more about the relationship than about a deed. Every religion or some sort of religion will tell you, you have to be something in order to get to someplace. Mm-hmm. You have to be good. You have to be, do good work. You have to be something clean, clean, whatever, to get to heaven, to get to eternal life, to get to that place. That's how religion is man-made by the law. Jesus, Christ follower says, by you just believing in me, you are now open to eternal life. Just by you confessing, it says in John, I believe it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he is Lord, you are accepted into, right? You're accepted into heaven. You're accepted into eternal life. That's all you have to do. And this is where people get wrong. And I'll finish on this. Through you accepting Jesus, he works in your life to give you the things that you desire. And in the Bible, the fruit of the spirit, the thing that no one can get without Jesus. And this is the Testament, right? When I talk to people that are less spiritual, right? Hey, whatever, just not in it. I tell them, look at your life by this fruit and tell me if you have these things, right? And it's the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right. And those are all things said by Paul. Let's, let's, let's make a clarification. I just want to, you know, this 
wow, these topics go all over, right? But Paul is not Jesus. And I want, I just, I, I often talk to, um, I shouldn't say often talk. I've talked to some people who, when, and this has happened a lot in Christianity. Yeah. Paul is, what Paul says is seen as almost akin to Jesus. I, I'm with you on those fruits of the spirit. I think Paul is right on that. But Paul is an apostle to me. Yeah. Yeah. Paul is a community organizer. Yeah. And I don't want to mistake what he says for what the, a, a true prophet has spoken. And, and that's what goes back. And this goes back to the beginning of what I said. For us, the Bible is truth. The, Bi the Bible is God breathed. Every word that is in that Bible is truth. It doesn't have to, every word in the Bible isn't spoken by Jesus or God, but it's God breathed. It's, it's, it was created so that that becomes the book of truth. So if Paul is speaking it, if John is speaking it, if Matthew is speaking it, if Job is speaking it, if David in the Old Testament is speaking it, it doesn't matter what character. It, it's not less validity because it didn't come from the mouth of Jesus. Jesus is only in five books of the Bible, right? The rest is of the New Testament after he died is his disciples. It's how it lives on. It's what's the message? What did we get? The 12 people that actually spent time with him. What did we at? What did he want us to do? That's the majority of the New Testament is explaining it to the church, to the people. Right, but um, I have a couple thoughts. First, I, I want the fruits of the spirit that you just mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think, so my Quaker background uh, firms this up. So I think you can have all those things and not necessarily have a lot of money. You can have peace, joy, family, love, you know, self-control, all those things. And you might not be a wealthy person, but because you're so full of love in God, you, you have that. And, and I would tell you though, for, and I'm sorry to keep cutting you off context though, would say that it's because you chose to seek God that he gave you those things. And if money was not one of the things that yes. he chose, then that's fine. Yes. But most, but most people don't have those things. Most people I don't have a level of peace really, or joy, or pain, they don't. But, they, but they put money on the pedestal to yes. think it brings those things. Yes, you're that, right. That's yeah. the context. That's it. And God is saying, nope, money's not going to get you peace, joy, happiness, love, none, none of that stuff. It's me. So if you come to me, I will fulfill all of those things and you will have life and have it more abundantly. If right. You could, right. Like money is not the context of how the, what the Bible is talking about for us. It's how we're interpreting that, but it has nothing. God, like God wants. Keep freezing on me here. For all of our decisions and the things that we, that are free stuff. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. Right. You got right. God so, wants. Yeah. I heard God wants. Yeah. God, God basically wants you to us to be able to understand that he needs to be at the top of your list the number one thing you seek every day is god that's from a biblical right like that's what he's trying to get people to understand mm -hmm. people don't understand that still to this day their number right. one thing is not god normally money comes before god for a lot of people right 
Well, and that's where, but that's why I started with that passage of scripture about the two masters, right? He comes out, right, and says that, that you cannot serve two masters. Um, and he does seem to draw a, a very firm line between the two, which is why I'm, I, I was sort of curious about that question, because he comes out and says, either you will hate the one and love the other. He's giving very stark, extreme views here. Sure. Or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So I hear what you're saying. You're saying, put God first, let the money be the secondary That's thing. It. And I think that makes total sense. But that doesn't um, get to this part of if you hate the one and love the other. So if you love God, then you hate money. If you love money, then you hate God. And that's very dualistic. And a lot of the mystical teachings that I read and I'm looking into and exploring are about not being dualistic, but that's very dualistic. And we don't hear that as much. I don't know that that's a helpful view to have the two opposites. You either love the one and hate the other um, because that's opposite of some of the other things that you're saying that are in other parts of the Bible. And so that's what I'm saying. I, I know that the Bible um, carries with it these deep deep truths but i also think that it's it can be very overwhelming um to sort of parse all those out in a rational way for me my own practice of sitting in silence and i meditate twice a day and i read scripture so for me my approach, I feel like I'm doing this sort of cleansing work inside me that I'm already kind of making space open so that when I do look at scripture, um, I'm having a, a relationship with it. Um, but I'm not looking at it in regard, I, I think it's challenging to kind of go to different parts of the Bible and say it says this and then, but it says that, but it says that because. It's, it has a lot of, there, there are going to be contradictions when you're looking at it from this rational of course. view. Um, but, but so that's why if I just look at Jesus, right? Because the Old Testament has a whole lot of other stories. I'm not trying to discount them right now, but I'm saying if I've chosen Jesus as my path, as, as my way, mm-hmm. and I feel that he's chosen me, mm-hmm. then I want to really know him pretty well. Absolutely. Um, I agree with all of that, by the way. Okay, yeah. So when I'm looking at his views, you know, like even this example, so let's just use this as an example to to kind of get to the end because we could talk about this forever, but I think we should stop in an hour and a half. Uh, So in Luke 22, this is a pretty popular one about do not worry. Luke 12, 22, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by working can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And so he goes on you know, to these other things. So do not be afraid. You'll be provided for essentially. And he specifically does say though, again, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. And this is the part we talked about, the treasure. But um, 
That, and then even he even inspires real quick in in Luke nineteen. A lot of these were from Luke. Um, Zacchaeus is that how you would say this this chief tax collector and wealthy man, yeah. Zacchaeus, who is like not great with his he, he's collecting all his money all the time. He feels great about all his money. He sees Jesus. He's so inspired by Jesus that he says, "I'm gonna." He says, "Here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount." And then Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. This man too is a son of Abraham. So there's this recognition that this Jesus's call, and, and he said this thing about, um, you know, if you believe in him, if he's in your heart, that's not the whole piece of the puzzle, I think, because I keep hearing his frustration as I read. And he's like, all these people are calling me, Lord, they don't practice what I say. They don't practice it. I'm telling them what to do. Give your possessions to the poor. Love your neighbor. They're not practicing it. So it's not just about love Jesus and take him into your heart. That's the first, to me, that's the first step. But what really is a sign of faith and devotion is over time, are you going to keep making that choice of doing, you know, eating with people, loving them, like sell, giving to the poor? Are you continuing to do those sorts of actions? Because I do think sometimes that the more, and, and, and again, I don't want to be too much of a generalist, but the more people acquire wealth, sometimes it's just harder to remember the little people. Sometimes it's a little more challenging because then you start thinking about, oh, but I want granite countertops and, oh, I'm going to get that new fancy car and, um, you know, we're going to vacation here and there. And so all those things are wonderful. I'm not trying to judge anybody who has that kind of life. But I think it can become more challenging to remember the person in need on the street that you're passing every day. Or how, how can you use your money in a way that is going to be helpful? Because we are in a society now, Chris. I mean, look at what is happening. Look at how it's crumbling right now. Because we are like, you know, like you just posted something on LinkedIn about a, a huge restaurant chain can't pay its rent. People live on debt. You know, people live on credit. I mean, it's just, it, we, we don't care as a society all the time for the, for the people who are the last of us or the least. And yet his message is, you know, the least, the, we'll what first. you've done to the least of me is what you've done to me. So he has all these messages about the, the, the people who are forgotten and he sticks up for them and he stands up for them and he elevates them and says they're closer to heaven than any of these wealthy, you know, tax collecting lawmakers, Pharisees. And, and so it's more complex than that. That's what I feel when I see him. And so this question of money is just very, how we spend it, how we get it, um, how our country uses it, how do we as individuals operate with it when we have it? I, there's just a lot of questions I have around around that. And I don't know that there's a clear framework that that has been established for how to how to kind of handle your money. I mean, Quakers at least have stewardship, right? And they talk about stewardship. I mean, I, that's one one framework I know. but I find there's a lot of talk of stewardship in the Bible. Right. There's okay. so I mean to to address the stuff that you there's mm -hmm. there's there's a lot to unpack there. I know uh, to help you in the spiritual journey, but also just again the way we think about money. Right. You got to understand that. What I said maybe on the first or second time we got together uh, on you know this podcast is I was like, hey, money's a tool. 
Yes. It's neutral. It's Wait, neutral. Did you say it was a tool or did I say it was a tool? No, we both said it was a tool. Might have both said it, but either way, yeah, it's yeah. real. So yeah. like the, yeah. exa the example of, oh, this is like people forget about the, the tiny people. They didn't have the heart of a giver anyway. They didn't have a heart of a servant anyway. It has nothing. And guess what was probably on their heart instead of that? Money, which is, again, what the point is of what God is trying to explain. Right. So when we have that mental picture of what people are doing with money, we, it's really tough to make that correlation with God if they're not Christ followers, if they're not in because they're just living by the world like most people. Right, 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 right. Right. So like yes. that's that, that the examples of what people do when they get money, because I can point you and I, I did this on the first or second time. I could point you to examples of billionaires that give way more than anybody that makes one hundred thousand dollars, like in proportion. Right, like oh, in, in proportion, because pro I was going to ask about the proportion. Yeah, yeah, in proportion. Yeah. Right, like giving way more, way more, and also I know that to be true of people that are super low income that make twenty thousand dollars a year that have the heart of a giver, and they have the servant leadership, like servant attitude, that make it happen, and they give in Right again in the in the Bible, in the Bible, it uh, there was one. There's a parable of the, the lady with two mites, right? And all, yeah. right? all of the wealthy people coming in, dropping in. And God says, the lady that just gave her two mites gave way more than any of you because right. she, she gave out of like her faith. You just give out of your abundance. Right. Right? Not, not talking about money, talking about the heart. Right. Right? The heart is what God is trying to get to when it comes to that. So, right? Like that's, we have to understand like our thoughts with money and how that comes into our interpretation of the Bible, which yeah. those things actually are very separate. Yeah. So what God is teaching us with the Bible, and this is where I said more on your spiritual journey, you have to dive in. I would recommend you dive into the Bible a little bit differently instead of finding just what Jesus says, because you pull it out of context. You won't have context for what's happening during this time, what Jesus stands for in his movement, because it was less necessarily about what he said, right? You got to, if you look at the Bible, and this might go to some of the other things that you've um, read, we actually only hear, we, we see Jesus being born, we catch up to him, like when he's traveling, like with parents, like he's like, I don't know, teenager years, mm -hmm. and then he goes dark until he's 30. And then we only hear of him in the New Testament, at, like when he go, goes to get baptized, he's already 30 and he dies at 33, he gets crucified at 33. We only get three years worth of his talking in the Bible. So that's why taking just his words may take it out of, may not give you the answers you're looking for because you're trying to follow Jesus. You have to figure out in totality what Jesus represents, who he is, what people said about him, how he interacted, and then take his words and piece all of those things together to get an understanding of who he is. Right? I agree with you. I think I, I like to go to the source. So I'm coming to him. So I'm doing this based on a, a Catholic um, set of exercises. I ended up in this Catholic group. So they follow St. Ignatius of Loyola and he developed these exercises for discernment. So I've tried in my Quaker meeting and, um, but Quakers, unprogrammed Quakers um, don't necessarily have 
a whole lot of um, connection to scripture anymore. They did in the past. I think there was some divisiveness. So now I've tried to start um, Bible groups and it, they just sort of fizzled out through my Quaker meeting. So I found my way, you know, I've, I've studied some of the, so Cynthia Bourgeau and Richard Rohr are these contemplatives and they talk about um, the wisdom tradition that's not well known in Christianity. Um, Quakers are, Quakers very much in my study of early Quakers have tried to discern um, what was some of the early Christian teachings that were underneath, and you might know some of this from your schooling, what was underneath maybe some of what was being taught in the traditional church. So I've explored that. And then I, um, I have looked into some research about how the Bible was formed. And I do know that um, there was, you know, there's the Council of Nicaea who sat down and let's make a, let's make a paradigm and, and a structure of what we believe and what we say, what, you know, let's get all these people together. But not everybody was at the table for those. And maybe those were some of the Pharisees too. And so to me, there's a lot of questioning about where do you find truth from different people? And so there's a lot of in personal, deep inner work and discernment that one has to do about what do I believe and who do I trust and what do I trust? And if Jesus is the one that I feel I have this deep connection with, the, what yoga, so in yoga, yoga means yoke. Mm -hmm. So you are connected to God and you are yoked, right? Mm -hmm. And so if that is the pathway for me and I'm connected to him, then I do believe that he can lead me. Um, and I want to go to the source as opposed to all the people who came around and after. But the Bible, I but I think the difference is like when you understand that that's, if that's all you're, you're seeking, meaning like if you believe that Jesus like is leading you or like you want to be led by him, then you have to understand who he is and what he taught. So like, again, that basic message of like, what he says is like, I am the son of God, right? Like, I, like God's God for God gave his only begotten son, right? Like that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That is from a contextual, like biblical Christian standpoint, who we believe God is, who we believe Jesus is. He is the son of God, God, and that's where the Trinity comes in, right? God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, right? The heavenly father, so Jesus never, never, Jesus didn't create the Trinity. No. That, that came after. That understanding. That, that came before. He talks about the Holy Spirit. He talks about, he says about the Father. He talks about the Holy Spirit coming after him, but he doesn't use this term, the Trinity. Right, because the Old Testament that you want, that you skip, that is confusing. I'm not skipping it. I'm, <laughs> I'm just joking. not. As, <laughs> I'm I, I, believe me. I'm, yes, I'm showing you how worn my Ecclesiastes is. But that, but that's come it. on. Chris, you read Ecclesiastes and then you read like Luke. I mean, you're right. going to be like, what the heck? Who, it's different, right? It's different because, because again, it's before G it's before Christ. Like it's the old Testament is the law. It's God, right? God spoke to Adam and Eve, right? God, like the heavenly father, like not a physical being on earth who we call God in, in the heavens, God, the father. That's all throughout the Old Testament. That's who God is. When he creates himself in human form, it's as Jesus, as God's son, when he came here on earth. Jesus is God's son. 
when Jesus dies, the Holy Spirit comes as the person that then walks with us. That's why, right, we, we know Jesus res resurrected. That's what Easter's coming up, right? Jesus resurrected. He left the tomb. He's gone, but he's living. And that's what the Holy Spirit then comes in now and walks with us even to this day. And that becomes the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it sounds... I'll, I'll tell, I have different readings on some of these. I'm much more mystical. Um, it's just so, and excuse my language, mm -hmm. fucking masculine. And I'm telling you, I have a body of a woman. I know that, you know, there, I cannot discount the, the feminine nature in all of that. And it, it is very problematic to me. And G, so I think there are pieces, there's something missing here. I just feel that, yes, I can look here and find truth and, and God will speak to me through this Bible. I do believe too, that God can speak to me through a poem and God can speak to me through a song. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to go to that song every day, but I just feel that there's, there's more complexity and more nuance. I want to know the Bible and I want to know Jesus and I want to read it and understand what he says. But I also think that there's more to the divine than just thinking it's all there. You of know? course, but, that, but that's revelation. <laughs> we need revelation for that. Right. And that's also in the Bible. Right. Like the reason why we go through this relationship period of learning God, of reading the word, of praying, of being in constant prayer. That's what it says in the Bible. Like every like you should be always talking to God to right? like that is what happens when you have a relationship. You're always kind of listening, hearing, talking, going back and forth. Yeah, I, I am. Right. And that um, like. I forget the point I was making. <laughs> well, to me, I mean, just want to, you know, we, we started with questions about money, but so much about money. I think this is a central deep question of people's lives, right? Yeah. There's always, you're holding these two things. Like, how do I be a good person? Or like, what do, how do I do the right thing in life? And then this question of money. Yeah. And to me, I, 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 I just, I wonder if it, if it, if it's a boulder in front of the tomb sometimes that blocks our way to God, I think it often our, can block our way to God. It can, it can not money, money, money is neutral. Our mind does okay. how we think about money. Okay. But that goes along the lines with how we think about anything. Cause I don't struggle with that, Jana. Yeah. I don't struggle with the difference between God and money. They're very clear in my life. Okay. They're very clear because I know both sides because I've had encounters with God. Right. I've like, he's really been my provider. He's really come through. I've yeah. given these types of talks to people and like my wife, like she knows, like there have been times I had no idea how we were going to pay the rent and literally a $1,400 check shows up randomly. Like, right. Uh, somebody owed me money from three years ago. Right. I know that's not me. I know that's not coincidence. Yeah. I know for a fact that's because I was praying and that was on my heart and I didn't know how to, and I gave it to God. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Yes, I go to work every day. Yes, I build the business. Yes, right. I do all the things in my power, right. but I don't know how I'm going to do this. And, right. he, and that's, that's real to me. Yeah, right? no, that's, I'm, I'm, but I'm with you. I've had the same experiences. I've had the same experiences, but for me, and just to you know, wrap this yeah. up, we can talk forever. We can keep going, I know. I, know. Um, I guess I think about, you know, I try to use, I, I feel like my truth and when I've prayed about this question of truth, 
what came to me last year during a retreat was truth is in your experience, right? So to some degree, if you are taking leaps of faith, right? So to, so that was, that was, that was an example of faith in your life, right? Of like, right. you did, you know, God, God, God is responding to you because you are putting God first and there's a trust there and a faith and a relationship that's been built. I've also found that to be true. I found mm -hmm. that happening in my life. So I keep looking at how does my own life, how do I operate and learn about faith and what it means? If I don't take leaps of faith and see what happens, then I don't know about faith. I'm always trying to check the boxes and do everything. And I'm, I'm so up here that I don't know what faith is. Right. But when, but faith is really that letting go and accepting that that essence is real. It exists, and trusting in it, trusting that you you do have that relationship and that it's guiding you. There's a trust, and so I guess when I look at my own life and I try to follow that path and I'm trying to learn faith, you know, my path and someone else's path might look different. Sure. Um, and then I start thinking because I. I'm this visionary person. So I start thinking, okay, so then if I'm going to learn these lessons and try to see if there are these laws of the universe that, you know, this is how it works. And maybe, you know, you take the leap and then God supports you in some way. How does, you know, how does this actually work when you try it out and you test it out, which is what Jesus says. He says, you know, like, if you believe in me, like practice what, practice what I'm saying. Don't worry about the next day. But you have um, to be calling on him at the same, right? Like it's, it's Oh, I a, am. Oh, right to hand in hand, right? Yes, yes. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, but then I start thinking about the wider world, right? I start thinking about, okay, so if I'm, because I'm, you know, so deeply a teacher. So for me, if I'm going to take these steps and I'm going to try to learn, then how am I, like, how, how, do, how do you look at the society as a whole and even know how you would guide people on something like that. So like if I did have a million dollars right now, right? Mm -hmm. I have to be thinking, not now because I don't have a million dollars, <laughs> but I have to be almost doing the preparatory work of living my life in that way of faith that I kind of structure it so that if I were making a million dollars, I'm operating in a way that's, that's adhering, adhering to a compass that is putting God first. You know what I'm saying? I guess that's what I'm, maybe I'm thinking too far ahead, so, maybe I'm getting too far ahead of myself, but I'm always thinking about those bigger perspectives of it. And you froze again. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, right? So I just missed that little tail end of what you said. Oh, I, I, I and it's probably, you know, part of the, the, maybe it's an issue I need to look at, but I'm, I'm often trying to learn so that I can think about a bigger perspective because you see the way the world operates. The more, the closer and closer you get to God, the more distant you are sometimes from the way the world operates. And I see that it's not helpful or conducive. And then I just start thinking, well, how do I take what I know and, and experience and give in some way or offer in some way to help that? that seems upside down to make it right again or help. You know what and I'm it, saying? No, I understand completely. And again, this would be a deeper conversation. Probably we have to keep talking about or even take offline, right? To like help you see clarity on it. But it's really a just honestly, like in my perspective, my opinion yeah. on it, it's, it's really just how you're looking at faith at the Bible, right? Like there's, there's, some, there's some nuances there when it comes down to like, um, the reason I don't struggle with it is because I'm going to work 
we're all given talents, strengths, our own abilities to serve and live an abundant life. So I'm going to use my talents, my strengths, my gifts that God has given me, right? To go as hard as I possibly can to create the life that God intended us to have. God wanted us to, like, again, this, these are my beliefs. I believe God wants us to live an abundantly fruitful, plentiful life where we have everything that we can, and it says in the Bible, everything above, beyond what we can ask or imagine, right? That's the life that is our destiny that's in store with us or for us, mm -hmm. right? Our job is to work and do everything in our power to go get the life that we've designed, that we feel like we want. That's how I believe it. In your prayer life, in your spiritual life, in your ability to talk to God, he will direct your path. Right. He puts the right people in your life. He knows right. which way you're going. So in the process of you going 100% in, in, the, in the direction of your gifts and talents and the things not focused on money, gifts and talents, right? 100% in that direction, coupled with faith, knowing that God, if God is for me, who is against me? Knowing that also to counter with some scripture, right? Faith is, uh, what, what is, and I was just about to say this to you, but then I let you speak and I was like, I know I'm going to lose this. Right. <laughs> but for real, it's going to come back to me, but faith, um, um, faith, faith is gained by doing, no, faith is gained by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of God. Like that's in the Bible. So in order for us to have this conversation about how we are finding faith or how we are getting our faith, it says in the Bible, faith comes from hearing. Mm -hmm. Hearing, clearly hearing what God is trying to tell you. And how do you clearly hear? Through the word of God. God. That's the cycle, yeah. right? So it's not on us to figure these things out. And I think that's where there's the, the, the difference between how I live and how other people, maybe yourself, right? It's just a matter of when I am struggling or there's something I'm confused about, I turn to God and the Bible because that is the foundation. So it takes away all guess, all questions, all everything, because I can go there and then I can talk to God and he can work through me so I can be better on this side. So everything flows for me from there. Yeah. If, I, if I'm having bad time in my marriage, bad time in business, bad time with money, with my mom, with my daughter, like anything that happens in the world, mm -hmm. I turn to, the, to what my foundation is, the Bible. I talk, I read, I learn, I listen, I communicate, I meditate. He works in my life by what I've meditated on. Right. And through that, I find that foundation, that just, that clarity, right? So again, to kind of wrap up, because I know we need to, right? We're going on the second hour, right? To, to wrap up, it's different between, for me, with just like spirituality and money, God and money. They're kind of two separate things. God dictates how I run my life. Right. That's it. That's first and foremost. Like, that's it. I make my moral decisions by the Bible. I make my, right? Like the things I feel by the Bible. Like, that's my number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I use every ounce of my day and my talents and strengths and abilities to build wealth for my family because what it says in the Bible is that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Mm -hmm. It says that in the Bible. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's what, we're work that's what we should be working towards. 
if we're going to take context out of things in the Bible, that God is for us. He wants us. This isn't a matter of like, it's money or God. It's a matter of who has your heart. Right. When, 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 it, when push comes to shove, right. when, when you are at that wire, when you are at wit's end, what is stressing? Are, are you comforted by God? Are you stressed out about the things of the world? That's what everything comes down to. We just happen to talk about money, but it's the things of the world. That's why it says in the Bible, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. Our job is to not be conformed by the things that people are doing, but transforming ourselves by our faith, by reading the word, by prayer, by understanding who Jesus is, who we are, how we're able to operate. But I really think God and money, if you think of them separately, if you think of your spiritual life first, money comes. Right. That stuff comes. If you go the other way and you think of money first, right? right, It's going to be impossible to get the things of God because money will take you the world's way. It'll take you that way. You'll do those other things of people that, right, don't seek God. So I agree with you. And I found that to be true. I found it to be true in my life. Yeah, yeah. sure. But it, and, people, and people don't know how to break that because it's fear, right? Because yeah. with, with money comes the security things that you felt like were security to you. The house, the car, the, the food to eat, the healthcare, like whatever you felt was security for this earthly life of yours, it's tied to money. That's how people get that attachment to money. Yeah. But all God is saying is, I can give you everything. I'll give you good health. I'll give you a place to live. I'll make sure your family is good. I'll give you the money. I'll give you the desires of your heart. What it says in the Bible. I'll give you the yeah. desires of your heart if you put me first and seek me. Right. Doesn't mean don't work. Doesn't mean just like right. pray and think like God's going to make it happen. Faith without works is dead. You got to work. You got to have a right strategy. You got to be good. You got to communicate like there's skills and talents that you have to, if you want to acquire wealth, you have to do things. That's really what it comes down to. Most people aren't willing to do the work to acquire wealth. And we've used religion as the scapegoat to say, well, God doesn't want us to be wealthy anyway, because it takes work, because you have to change, because you have to learn, because you have to adapt, because you have to sell all of your things and go broke and be okay to go broke in order to get to that place. Right. It's all the things that we say you have to be able to do. I I had a quote, a a meme that I had put out a while back that said, if you're not willing to downgrade your life for a year to live the life you want forever, you're, you care too much about other people. Right. If you're not willing to say, "Uh, I got to sell the house. I got to sell the car. I got to take a step back financially, get good so that in a year, two years, I can now go forward. You care too much about other people or what month, or you care too much about money. That's it. Because as a human being, you should be able to do that. You should be able to say, huh, my finances aren't good. I'm gonna sell the house. Let me just take a step back for a minute. Let me sell the car. I could just do a bike. But those decisions are so tough for people. Right. Oh my God, like I can't sell this house. Why can't you? This is what God is saying. Why can't you? Right. I I can take this house in a minute. That's what God, this is my voice of God, right? Right. I, I could take this house in a minute. Then what do you have? And people aren't understanding. That's why you seek him. Because yeah. all this stuff is given. All right. this stuff he gives to us. We're, this isn't ours. I, I hear you on that. I just want to say one last thing. I totally hear you on that, Chris. And I'm with you. I'm with you in terms of my own experience and what I believe and what I felt is true. But then you see so many people struggling and suffering. And that is what I, I that part is hard for me. Because they don't know God. 
and they don't do the really work. Really think to, so? Mm-hmm, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Because God saw, like, because I know, again, my God, like, he's the answer. But it takes, but that also takes work. That, like, that's the whole thing about this life thing, this thing we call life, right? It takes work. This life thing, I like yeah, this, that. Right, that's this, a new hashtag, this life thing. This, this life thing, right? That is going to be a new hashtag, this life thing, whatever's going on. But it's true, it, take, it takes work, right? I've heard per- pastors even say this, like once you get saved, like people go to churches and then like they feel the Holy Spirit, they get saved, they're like, yeah, I want to commit my life to Christ. That moment is great, you're saved, you're in heaven, now comes the work. I agree. Now comes the work, and that's when people just because they don't do what they are told or like kind of to learn the process of it, right? Like if I told you just, if you really want to learn Jesus, let's read the New Testament all the way through. Yeah. Right? Let's, Matthew to Revelation, let's read it all the way through. Let's highlight things. Let's go deeper into it. Then we can go back into the Old Testament and read the context of God and what happened with the Israelites. And then you all understand this big picture. And now you might be able to ask better questions. You might be able to say like, hey, well, this context, this, this, and then you can start to have reference points that you take to God and say, hey, this doesn't make sense. And then he answers you. And that over years of time builds spiritual maturity with Christ. And then you have answers because you're not looking for them anywhere. I don't have to look for answers. I look for, right, worldly answers, Google. But like when it comes to like answers, answers, I just go to God because who else has those answers? Right. No, I'm with you. I'm you know? With you on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, this is perspective. This right. is about mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Mindset. Okay. So. Woo. Almost two hours, huh? Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, hey, people can dabble into whatever section of this they want, right? Yeah, because there's a lot. There's a lot to dabble in on this one, and uh, I, I appreciate you for having the conversation. Like I said, I don't do this with people um, because we just don't have these conversations about religion or God or like how this equates in our life or what we should be paying attention to. Um, I often get it from the money sector, just because I'm in the money business. Yeah. But again, how I normally see it when I'm talking to people is people are using God as the scapegoat as to why they can't do what they want to do or have the money they want to have. I agree. It becomes like, oh, well, it's because of that. It's like, no, no, no. God never said be poor. Right. He never said be poor. Right. He said there there will always be the rich and the poor amongst us. But when he goes in the process of saying sell your things or give to the poor, it's because you care too much about your possessions. Right. He's trying to attack your possessions and saying, can you give that, right? To, to this day in 2020, go up to someone and be like, sell your card to the next person you see. Oh, I could never. Like, it's like the biggest a possession. God is just trying to get you to see that you have no earthly possessions. Right. Nothing is yours here. Right. So the fact that you hold on to it is a moot point. It's not going to get you into heaven. Yeah. Right? It's not. Like, <laughs> right, so, right. right. So like that, that is the tone of like money and the Bible. Right. right. Because of the couple things I showed you, it says money, money answers everything. That's in the Bible, foregone. Money answers <laughs> well, everything. I'm going to end this with Cindy Lauper's quote. Okay. Money changes everything. Mm. <laughs> God <laughs> versus Cindy <laughs> Lauper. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I'm going to end this. Um, thank you so much for Pleasure's this mine. long conversation. And Pleasure. we'll um, definitely have to talk again soon. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for your time.